So what you gonna do with that thing? We're going hunting. So what you hunting? It's crazy evil. I thought I liked beer. It turns out I like the idea of beer. All right. I got to get home by nine. So let's get this show on the road because my daughter sleeps at nine and I'd like to tuck her in. All right. uh, We get it. You've had sex. Okay. Everybody, welcome. Alex has had sex once. Cool. Yeah, I did. Mark it down. One sex. (laughs) I don't know why I like phrasing it that way is even better. Guys, I don't know if you're aware, but I've had one sex. I had one. Write that down. It's oh, almost see, three it's, years now. It's good 45 minutes into the podcast. I figure out the perfect place to put microphone. There you go. At least we're starting the main one now. Um, so let's talk about Mandy. <laughs> okay. I just and realized that works as an equalizer for our voices. I think that's it. Why is the watch. intro the hardest part for us? <laughs> no, nobody talk. Watch. All right. So let's do that intro now and I'll stop interrupting <laughs> people. Which one, Matt's or, or I can to try it? to do mine. You want to do yours or, again? Are you gonna? I don't remember what I said last time. Are you gonna? You read, I just kind of zone out. Zone out. <laughs> are you gonna read like a quick synopsis of the movie from Wikipedia? Because that synopsis on Wikipedia does not tell you shit. It doesn't tell you at anything. Good. Somewhere near the Shadow Mountains, in the year 1983. Yeah. Why was the place and year relevant? I mean, for the music, yes. For, but, for the look, uh, that was 100 yeah. percent it. Yeah, yeah, the look and um. I haven't watched the his other movie, but it's the same year that that movie took yeah. place. Yeah, but the Shadow the Beyond, Black Beyond the Black Rainbow, or something Beyond like the that. Black Rainbow. Yeah. So welcome to Three Hours Later. I'm Alex. I'm Mike, and I'm Matt. And today's uh, episode is actually Matt's pick. Matt, would you like to explain your pick? And <laughs> why, explain why, yourself, Matt. Explain, explain myself. Explain yourself, please. <laughs> what did you do, to Matt? Us? You got some explaining to do. To do to me. So I chose the. Uh, the Nicolas Cage vehicle, Mandy. You sure did. <laughs> you, guys, you, guys, you guys give me a little bit of control, and this is what happens. But this is why I love this podcast, because I would not have watched this movie if it wasn't for you. This is honestly why I chose the movie. I um, I feel like more people should watch it and experience it, and I don't really care about their opinions otherwise, but so how give, many, give them money, because I like it. How many times have you seen it now? Just twice. Okay, so this was my second time watching it also. And the weird part is the first time I watched it, I like I threw the roof. I loved that movie. I thought it was mm-hmm. just incredible. It was like just blow the roof off the place, like intense. It was so good. And the second time I liked it, I still liked it. Like, do not get me wrong. But there were definitely parts where I was like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Let's get to the next part. Because it's 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 not so much a movie as much as it's a bunch of cool set pieces. Yeah. Um, and I actually went out to go buy it uh, yesterday because I've, I've been wanting to own it for a while. I watched it initially in theaters because um, they did the, like the one day screening before they yeah. actually put it out on video on demand. And in the difference between the experiences were pretty vast because in the theater, I was totally just absorbed. Like the music's going, they, we got these crazy title cards, everything's really pretty. And just watching it at home, it just, I didn't recapture that magic. Um, 
somehow it didn't feel as long as the first time though like i maybe it's because i know what was coming but i felt the first time i watched it it did kind of like drag and i was like i did feel a lot of is this the end is this the end type of stuff but i still really like the movie i'm happy that i own it uh but it's just i kind of feel bad now because on the second viewing like i was saying i don't feel the magic that i felt then and describing it to friends from what i felt the first time and then getting kind of upset that they didn't like it the way I did. And it was like, well, maybe it was just the way I watched it that was the difference. So I'm really curious. Like, so Alex, as somebody who didn't watch this movie beforehand and probably would never watch a movie like this, what did you think about it? Because uh, Matt and I are trash people. Yeah, yeah. no. So yeah. if I watched it for the first 10 minutes and took that 10 minutes for the whole length of the movie, I would have just been like, nope, not for me. And just did away with it, honestly. And it did feel like it was a collaborative kind of different movies combined because even the main title, title like name of it didn't come up until halfway through the hour movie. In, One yeah. hour and it, it was, it was fifteen so, minutes in. It was so trippy because honestly, if you could just take the last half of the movie, you'd get the full movie. Like you wouldn't like I always started. So I took notes watching this, and it's like okay, I'm gonna get very detailed because. If you take it as a, like an action film or a horror film or somewhere in between, um, you'll you'll take it just for that. But th- the way this is filmed was so ambiguous in a lot of areas. It made you think more uh, than a, a movie I thought should. You know, <laughs> so I, I read a lot into it and I, I started taking notes. And towards the last half, I didn't. Um, I'm not sure. Did we even explain what the movie's about? No, um, my notes are exactly the same. I have I have a bunch of notes about the first half of the movie and the second half. I was like, well, it's just a ride. I'm not the same all the way. It's just one-liners. Um, yeah, so Man- Mandy is, uh, like we said, is set in the 19, or ni- 1983. My, my cat's licking his butt. I'm scared. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, it stars Nicolas Cage, and um, he plays Red, Red Miller. He's a... He's a we don't really know much about Red. Uh, if you do pay attention, there is some stuff going on that you can kind of get an idea of who he is. Like in the beginning, um, so he's a, he he's a logger. Yeah. Um, he's just a hard working logger. Works out in uh, the mountains of Oregon, in the the famous Shadow Mountain of Oregon. <laughs> um, and he lives in a secluded cabin with his wife Mandy. Um, and so at the beginning, he's getting in the helicopter to go home, and someone's offering a beer. And you can see that he doesn't want it. So right away, I can see that he, I believe, is like a recovering alcoholic. Yeah, I think that's, uh, they don't ever say it, but I think that's like really heavily implied. And so there is a lot of that in the movie where it's it's not, nothing is really flat out explained to you. And uh, so throughout the movie, the the beginning, we see his relationship with his wife, Mandy. And they're, they're, they're kind of like a real couple to me, I guess. They're not like this pretend Hollywood, like lovey-dovey stuff. Like she's kind of, she's odd. Uh, you can tell she has like in, emotional emotional scars. She's an artist. Uh, she loves fantasy novels, which I mean, just by watching the movie, you can see that's kind of the main theme of uh, Mandy is kind of like a weird uh, Conan type of fantasy, and that's why they kind of reference these books a lot that she's reading. And um, they run into this hippie group, kind of like a Manson family situation, and they kidnap her and kill her in front of uh, in front of Red. And then he goes on a murder spree. That's this. 
that small is the summary. entirety yeah. of the movie. See how long that took you to to start it off, yeah, see, and then I, the last half is that. Is that right? But I, 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 I liked the first half because we got to really feel for Red. I think, and like I'm, I was truly like feeling agony while he was feeling agony, and it's because I went through that first half with mm-hmm. him and getting up to the, the the start of the second half. Like I, um. I can feel it, you know, and yeah. I, I think that that was important. I know a lot of people probably didn't like the first half because it dragged on like that, but I felt like it was necessary to get the uh, the the message through. So is Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Cage did a great job. I thought I always love him. Oh, Pe- dude, yeah, this was and built there, for him. There is one scene was which is the bathroom scene. Yes, and this is this is right after um, he escapes uh, the first time around uh, with his wife um, being lit on fire in mm-hmm. front of him and he he kind of walks into his his uh his house and nothing's really done or or said it's very quiet and i don't think it's processed up until he's <laughs> nice yeah that's until, actually what happens right before yeah until until he actually goes into uh this bathroom and like matt was saying he didn't he refused the alcoholic drink before but then, for whatever reason, there's... Well, jo- for most alcoholics, they have the uh, the rainy day bottle of booze stashed away somewhere in their house that's not going to be in a place that anyone else can see it because they're not supposed to be drinking. So that's why it's hidden in his bathroom. Mm. Mm. Well, and this is where I get into my weird, like, movie nut. And, like, this this movie... I, I mean, there's a lot of hidden meaning in it and all that fun stuff, but a lot of it's so hidden that I don't even want to get into it because, like, you can say your movie's about anything, but if you don't show us that... But I mean, it really, like that scene, he doesn't just go into the kitchen or the bathroom and find that bottle of vodka. He doesn't just drink the bottle of vodka. He baptizes himself in that vodka. Mm-hmm. Like that is that is the creation of that character. And that's why it's really important that that's where we get our title screen. And uh, she dies right at the half hour mark. Yeah. Like, so it's really weird because the movie's called Mandy. She is the force that drives the movie. Mm-hmm. And she is the closest you get to exposition in the movie or characterization in the movie. There's no exposition in this movie, right. which I, I adore about it. That is one of the things that's kind of, that was kind of hard for me the first time was that the, the dialogue is just sparse. Oh yeah. No, the, it's, it's like real life. Like they speak when there's something to say, they yeah. don't sit there. Like she doesn't look at him and go, red, are you coming home from the logging camp? Red? Like there's no repeating the, the shadow names. mountain of Oregon in 1983. Yeah. Any, anything <laughs> it's you, me, your wife, Mandy, any information you find out is found out naturally because of just the way people talk. Yeah. Um, you spend the first half of the movie thinking that it is a movie that takes place in a mystical world and the reality and why I think this movie is so cool is that it sets up mysticism and then tears down mysticism and shows you that violence is more terrifying than anything mystical we could do. Mm-hmm. Like when those, when that biker gang shows up, the first thing you think is like they look like the Cenobites from Hellraiser right. on purpose. But they're not. They're just psychopaths high on LSD. Kind of, but... Bad batch. I, I was only reading parts about uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Like I said, I haven't seen it. But I guess the whole premise of that one is kind of um, ascending um, humanity with the help of psychedelics. Yeah. So that's kind of what was going on with them. They they weren't really demons, but they kind of were. Well, yeah. They, they, weren't, they weren't like came up from hell demons. They were a creation of man. Right. Um, but they to put it, yeah. And there, there's a point where they, they are no longer human. Oh, yeah. No. And that no. was the cool part, too. Is like when they do speak, it's guttural when they... Most of the sounds they make are on par with like just a growling tiger, and which is also in the movie. Your dick becomes a sword. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, it's kind of like a like a bed bug. Bed bugs have like 
cemetery penises. I don't you know. Stab I mean, through the others. That's the more you fact. know, <laughs> the more you know. I guess it's a fun math <laughs> fact for you. Um, I think one of the things a lot of people don't pick up on, and honestly, I, I don't think I did the first time, but I did on the second time. But we do see uh, Red kind of ascending his humanity throughout yeah. this entire thing, and that's kind of what's going on. Oh yeah. Um, and I don't know if I want to get to the end part already, but we basically he basically becomes like this almost demigod of wrath. Oh yeah, that's well, what's I mean, going on there. That, that's one of the coolest parts is like when so the the little bits of exposition that are in this movie, the, like the, the tiniest bits that are in there. Um, what's the guy Jeremiah Sand? Sand. I keep wanting to say Seed because I played Far Cry. No, he's the bastard from Dorne. Um, yeah, Jeremiah <laughs> Seed, the bastard from Dorne or Sand. Um, he gives you not really an exposition dump, but you at least figure out who he is because he comes off in the first chunk of the movie where you think like, oh, this is like a demon worshiping psychopath and then you realize how comical it is that he's not he's just running a cult a, like a jesus freak cult yeah it's literally like a manson or like at the beginnings of like a heaven's game and type of yeah thing. and he's a failed musician he makes terrible music and um so they immediately like right after showing him and making him out to be this terrifying character just clip the wings of him yeah and they continue to just push forward from that and it's it's just really interesting that they make a point of like they build things up as scary and then show you how they're not as scary as you thought they were, with the exception of Nicolas Cage, who they start as barely a character in the movie. I think the first hour of the movie, he barely speaks. Excuse me? Knock knock. I mean that that's ninety percent of his lines right there. Who's there? Who's there? Eric Estrada. <laughs> yeah, like that guy, that was the worst joke. Eric Estrada. You you know he wrote that joke. That Eric was not Estrada in the from Chips. Yeah, that oh god, that was not in the. My friend uh, Sean loves that joke. He he'll text me every now and then. Oh, Eric it's Estrada from it's Chips. a good terrible joke. It is. Um, but I mean that's you're, the most. You're, terrible. The one, you're the dad here, Alex. How do you not love that one more than us? I, I actually that's part of my my notes. Knock <laughs> 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 knock joke. But like that that's the, that's between that the fact that you see he's a logger, and he turns down the beer is all the characterization of him you get. Until he shows up at his buddy's trailer and says he needs the Reaper. Yeah. Hey, that killing thing that I left here. Why do you have a name? Like, there's a movie that takes place before this movie that I desperately want to see. For sure. Like, and I I guarantee they never film it. But, like, that, like, he, he forges with his backyard forge that already existed. He forges an axe that looks like a demon's axe you already had the mold ready too yes like, he's done that more than once <laughs> there is a back so that's so, what i love is it's like every, everything they set up as scary in the beginning is shown to be just a person and that's the thing too like i, I on the last episode I, I recommended you go into this movie thinking about like a conan the barbarian thing yeah because that's literally what this is it just happens to be set in the 80s instead oh, dude they, you could you could set this movie in the pacific northwest in the 80s in the west in the 1880s in the far-flung future on Hyboria, like you could take exactly what happens in this movie, put it into any genre, any time period, and it's the exact same story. Right. And I that's I think that's why I liked it so much. And it, I don't think it was like that hard to pick up on, but I feel like a lot of people still didn't really get that because maybe they just don't know Conan and stuff like that. But I mean, it's really heavy-handed with the uh, the whole like heavy metal uh, animation stuff like that because that's that's basically conan as well and the books that manny is reading that's like a knockoff conan the the what the serpent's eye or something like that yeah and um Seeker actually, and the serpent's guy that's it and um 
when you really think about each character in that, that's you can see the character that they would be in that Conan story. Yeah, well, in 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 the story I build for him in my mind, like he is an old Pacific Northwest style cop, like from Walking Tall, where he's been through some stuff. He's retired. He was the he was the badass, and he's retired, and we don't even get to know that part. And now he's just trying to live his normal life until it gets taken away from him. I think like army for me. Yeah, I think yeah that too. And uh, so I, d- I did uh, find a uh, a quote from our, our director. Uh, what's his name? Panos. Panos. Con- I keep on Con- say constellation. Cos- Cos- Cosmos. 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 Yeah. Um, said, but to me the violence, or they were talking about um, the, it was hard to get someone to pick up the movie because of the violence. Like you couldn't get to like a major. Uh, production company and which is pretty cool because this was picked up by elijah wood's production company yeah and so with elijah wood and um i think it's like legion m is the other yeah um they're trying to give outlets to people that just want to do more of a passion project than like something that's gonna be like a summer blockbuster and so that's what this was and um on the question about the violence he said the uh the violence or the violent imagery in this film was a core aspect of it it has a it has to feel primal and kind of like a barbarian film from the 80s like the way i felt when i watched conan the, the, the conan the barbarian when i was a kid it was fucking terrifying and kind of savage primal dark world you know yeah. i needed to have uh, that feeling i wanted the movie to feel like i felt when i looked at the conan the barbarian poster when i was a kid which was that thing is fucking dangerous that is a fucking dangerous adult thing and it's not meant for me yeah and i i really think it's interesting that all the and there is a lot of violence in this movie. Um, all the violence that happens is both like horrifically graphic, but also cartoony. Right. Like there's blood and it is, bl- it is <laughs> so dark and it is, it is copious amounts of blood, but it comes out of people like you pierced a water balloon and it's just <laughs> spraying. Um, and just like as the movie goes on, you watch Nicolas Cage go from like being a normal guy in a normal t-shirt to just he's now covered in blood. Because that was the one thing about the the biker gang that I noticed when you first see them and you first think like, are these demons? Is that they are, there's like a wetness to them that's one really gross. Yeah. Like there's a sound when they move. There's a sheen to them. And I notice as the movie goes on, like you see Nicolas Cage, because so much of this movie takes place. And mm-hmm. so like the, the cinematography in this movie is incredible. Um, the like choice of color palettes, the the everything works together. The soundtrack is incredible, goes with it. But there's a definite look to it, and as the movie goes on, a lot of you see in silhouette, and just as the movie goes on, you start seeing Nicolas Cage be more and more the same things he killed. Like where, you, and it's not like a thing where you're going, "Oh, buddy, no, you're falling." Like you can see that this was in him the whole time, and it's just coming back out. And it, it's a weird movie, and that the more we're talking about now, the more I'm like, oh wait, no, I'm back on board with it. I love it. Um, <laughs> well, because yeah, that's what I was saying earlier was that he's kind of becoming, he, he's also ascending, in a similar fashion that these this biker gang did. Yeah, but um, he's the force for good. Versus not only that, but I mean, they really like they were drenched in like the 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 the, the high power acid that they yeah. were taking, where he only took like one you know uh, like dip. Of which it. which almost makes you. Like not feel bad for them, but you're just like, well, if he just did literally a dropper on his tongue, and you get the like the crazy scene of the sun and everything exploding around him, and just all hell breaking loose, and then for the rest of the movie he's a psycho monster killer, then you wonder like, psycho oh, well, are killer. these really? Exactly. 
Um, um, so I don't even know if we explained it, but the uh, the biker game gang were like the, when we first introduced them, they totally do look like like uh, characters from Hellraiser, like the Cenobites. But then we find out that they're just a regular biker gang that took like really bad acid and just changed them for life, and they become like these inhuman monsters. Like they don't feel pain, pain at least from what I saw, and uh, they're just they're no longer men. All they want is more of the drug and to kill. The orcs. Yeah, orcs. But it's still weird because like the way you summon them is you you have to blow the horn of a Braxis. Yeah, yeah. Which, they respawn really fast though. Yeah. Oh man, they were there, and then. And then they still require blood for blood, just like like they have that demonic pact. Um, so yeah, it's just it's a really interesting combination of like they didn't kill anybody though. What was the, the blood? Kid. Oh yeah, they took they, him. Well, yeah. they took him, but what? They, he's dead. What was the other blood for? They, to take Mandy. Yeah, because they were Mandy, there to kill Mandy. Gonna, they weren't going to kill her. Well, no, it was, no, it was because Jeremiah Mandy for Jeremiah wanted like because that was the funny part too is if you really think about it. All of this starts not because Jeremiah is trying to fulfill it and of the world prophecy or do anything. He just saw Mandy and he was like, ooh, she's pretty. They made eye contact. Yeah. Like, it. He's just enamored with her and he is a cult leader who literally goes on about how he gets what he wants. He takes what he wants. The world is there for him. I would like to hear the perception of a woman about this movie because that was like, how terrifying is that? Like, I just looked at a guy, made eye contact, and now I'm being burnt to a crisp. Yeah, and that, that's that's one of the weird things, too, is that, I mean, the movie's called Mandy. She is the driving force of the movie. She says a little bit more than Nicolas Cage says. And half the time, too. Yeah. And she's really not. She's barely a character. I mean, she has more characterization than a lot of other people, but like she's not given the chance to shine. You you get hints of like I, past trauma. I think she does, though. She does have all that trauma. There's that one story she tells, but she is Let's drugged. Go, go back to that story, because I thought that was really cool, because that was a callback to Silence of the Lambs. Um, oh, the Starlings. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Clary Starling. Yeah. But Clary gives a similar story. It's about, you know, the lambs being slaughtered and stuff like that. And it was the mm-hmm. same thing as her and her father having them, like, kill all these starlings because he doesn't like them. Yeah, it's the the destroyed innocence thing. Or starlings. But her her pinnacle moment was uh, what I call the Joker scene, where <laughs> she gets, she's given LSD and she's also stung. stung by a gnarly wasp that's, like, just hanging out in acid or something. Yeah, I think it's also. And it's the LSD goop yeah, the, or something. Yeah, the LSD acid. Yeah. And um, and he's he's just full on nude. Like you're gonna get this. I, I'm a cult leader. Be, like you be should, gentle. Yeah, it's like we should be gentle together. As he's playing the song that just he wrote about song. himself. Yeah. You ever hear the Doors? God, <laughs> that that song was just atrocious. And she just laughs at him. That's the best part. And it is not like he has a, this like flaccid dick out. Yeah, and she's just laughing at him. Like he thinks he's in the position of power. Mm-hmm. It's almost like even though she's on the ground, she's basically Bane standing up. Like you think you're in control. Yeah, and he's like he's trying to get back control by like trying to jerk it off, and he it, still can't. And don't he's look still, at me. Yeah. Don't look at me. Yeah, no one look at me. And just like, look. <laughs> but she takes that away from him just by simply laughing at him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's her moment. It, no, it, it absolutely is. But it's just like, and then that that costs her her life. That's the thing that sets them over from like he's he just goes from like ooh I want her to well. If, if she's gonna laugh at me, then I have to make a, uh, an example out of her. Like nobody, right. can, like we got to kill her. And I think that's a good example of like the villain too. Like he's really became a bad guy because he has like this fragile masculine masculinity. Yeah, his weakness. Yeah. yeah, and that's like how he got to this point where he needs to be like in control of people mm-hmm. to kind but, of show them. Yeah, but also you know he's he's essentially their god, and the god couldn't have what he wanted. Yeah, and that was that's such a like a. 
a lot of the these scenes were almost like a Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. You know, you you see these men who are demons, but they were just jacked up dudes. You know, uh, on drugs. Um, you have this godlike to this cult essentially, and he couldn't have anything, he, everything he wanted. You had a guy who had a simple life, a job, uh, a girlfriend, wife. I don't think it said with a nice house. Um, but you take away something and you could get any any guy to go crazy. Mm-hmm. So I think a, a lot of those for me were those behind the curtains. What does it take for, for someone to break? You know, is it drugs? Is it religion? Is it your significant other? Um, it did did quite a bit in that, for me, the second half of the movie. But I could see how the first half. And, and and I noticed forty four was a big was a big thing, um, especially it's on his shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, she he wears it, she wears it, he wears it again. He mentions it being ripped, um, and there's a lot of theories I saw out there. What does forty four? You rip my shirt. You rip my shirt. <laughs> Literally have it written down in here where he yeah. just loses his damn mind. My good shirt. Because I think that's where he goes from officially like, hey, I'm on my way to do this to like that's what breaks him. Like yeah. that's the moment where he kind of starts to break. Like literally, his fabric of his life is being ripped, and it's um, it's a big deal because that's the shirt he met Manny in. Mm-hmm. Like we have that flashback at the end, and that's the very shirt that he's wearing when they first meet each other at a party. So that's why he kind of that that was it, you know. Blood for blood, <laughs> here I come. Um, I forgot some of the examples. There was a lot of theories of what the forty four meant. Yeah, there's, and it goes from biblical sayings to. I even saw that said uh, political sayings because of uh, a quote he says to one of those demon backer gangs is that you're a toxic snowflake. Yeah. You're, yeah. And yeah. Which that, that stuck out because I'm like, they don't say that in the three. <laughs> yeah. What kind of 80s theme was that? I guess. And, <laughs> and so I saw some political things with it. I don't know what, how to take 44. Uh, from my perspective, I didn't, I saw a lot of theories. Um, I just took it as as the fabric of his foundation. I just took it kind of metaphorically. I think but. it was on the IMDb. I can't find it right now. But he he the director like and writer he specifically said what it was and it wasn't anything political like that. It was just uh, had something to do with numbers from the media that he liked when he was a kid. Oh well, there you go. Also, I, Barack Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I did like that some of those things were very ambiguous that they were out there and left it for you to to discover and a lot of that a lot of the stuff was like that let's get to my favorite part now the giant pile of cocaine that he sniffs before he goes on a rampage the kid, the that, the the kid that looks like bad santa's he did critic, look like bad santa yeah bad santa's kid or that's <laughs> that when I, kid. that's when i heard uh pennywise coming to play like come here fat boy and then he <laughs> yeah. just disappears forever but i want to talk Poor about kid. the thing i have a beanie of and that's the cheddar goblin because nothing is better than cheddar that tripped me out more more than anything. I love that part so much. I wish I didn't know about it. That was the one thing I knew about going into the movie the first time. And I'm so disappointed that I knew about it first because that would have just blown my mind when it happened. Because we go through this entire like agony, like I was saying earlier, with uh, with Red, losing Mandy. And he finally escapes, goes inside. Before he goes to the bathroom, uh, the bathroom he walks in and the, his TV's still on. And we get this like campy... 80s commercial about macaroni and cheese that has this like super scary mascot called the cheddar goblin and there's these kids you know eating the macaroni he's puking macaroni on on them and pans over nigga's case and he's like cheddar goblin yeah it's 
I love that part because it's just showing like, hey, the worst thing could, that could ever happen in your universe just happened, but the rest of the world's moving on, yeah, dude. Yeah, we're like, still going. Yeah. And we're I not think... seeing like a new story going like another biker gang kills. Like they're just like, no, it's just Cheddar Goblin. Consume. Um, I think it's a to- totally necessary scene though for me because it was a palate cleanser for what's about to happen. And that's like his rampage, you know? So we need we just dealt with this really dark shit. But now things are we're gonna take a different turn here. So let's uh let's let's rinse out your mouth for a second. And I'm not sure if this is true, but was Cheddar Goblin so Mandy's a cashier at a grocery store. Mm. Was Cheddar Goblin sold there? I don't know if it was sold there, but it's in um Bill Duke's R V. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. It took me out of the movie for a second. It kind of has to, like, because you needed, like, we just got really depressed together. So we yeah. had to, like, well, pop out of it for it, a second. It didn't make me laugh, though. It was <laughs> it's such a, like. It made me laugh because it was absurd. Yeah. But it was like, all these kids are like, yeah, I want to be thrown up on. And then they're like, it's it's not like it's, like, an overall, like, there's a kid, like, five kids at this table. And they're like, oh, like, overall, like, we're going to try to catch it. No, it's, like, individually, like, here is your plate. Right. Here is your plate. Oh, you want some Cheddar Goblin? Hold on. Get into you. And I think that it's the only bit of world building you get outside of the story they can see because everything else is built like it's in this creepy creepy place where everything's really red. Everything's really like 80s, like pop colors. Magical, magical though, like the the, the, the escapes that we have. Right. But even the the commercial you see, 80% of it could be a real commercial on TV. Especially back then. I mean, right. we had some but weird commercials back in the 80s and 90s. percent of it that just has a sinister edge, like when the Cheddar Goblin comes up out of the macaroni at the end and they just <laughs> hold on it for a second longer than they should. And you're just going like, wow, that, that's not just like creepy, that's sinister. There's something about that that tells you the world that this movie's in is a dark world. It's a it's a rough place. Um, I love the fact that it was directed by the dude who did too many cooks. Yeah. Like that is... Once I read that, it made so much sense to me. Like, of course, that dude. Too many cooks. Um, Takes a lot. And it's not like they just filmed part of it, too. There's a full length movie. I'm kind of watching it now. I think think he did it for free in like last minute. Yeah. He didn't know he was doing it for Nicolas Cage Uh, movie. And um, it's one by one, too. Back and forth. They were going to just use a vintage commercial. And I guess they reached out to him and he decided to make something in the vein of those commercials. And And it does nail it. Uh, yeah, that scene where the goblin just comes up. It's a little too long. That goblin looks like he's out of the movie Trolls 2. It's goblin good. But um, <laughs> like when I was reading about like, you know, just like random facts about the filming of the of movies, that's where I found out that uh, the dude from Too Many Cooks did this. And then the best part I read about it when he was talking about the movie, he said that it was a crazy shoot. They had to make 20 gallons of mac and cheese, but to get the color they needed, they had to mix it with pineapple, fago, and lemon jello. <laughs> and they basically had to puke on these two children with an animatronic goblin for six hours straight with the same macaroni. So they would scoop it up and put it back in. And so he said it straight up smelled like vomit. Like they were getting vomited on by the cheddar goblin, but it's, it smelled like, like he couldn't believe these kids could handle it. I actually got to see him at, uh, at WonderCon. I went to the Legion and and they had the little, that the actual puppet over there. I bought a, a beanie over there with a cheddar goblin on it, but literally today i was thinking back at it we were at the booth and there's late at the booth and she's like yeah we have the axe for mandy and i was like cool cheddar goblin hat please but now i was like i probably could have picked up the stupid axe yeah because uh, uh, that's one well, that's cool yeah that was a cool axe that's a very cool axe people are saying oh it's more like a, uh, a seat so yeah. right here my favorite or my second favorite quote where uh, the one that he's not talking about throwing up on children 
as soon as I said, let's do Ghoulies meets Yoda meets Satan, they were like, yeah, let's go in that direction. <laughs> and so, again, knowing that and watching that commercial, yeah, hey, you nailed it. Yeah, and It's such a small part, but it does stick out. Just like Mike was saying, I mean, you could have the worst thing happen to you and you're going to get a Cheddar Goblin commercial yeah. because that's what's on. I mean, like if something bad happened to me like today... Who who's how is that going to affect anyone else? Who cares? The world's keep we're going. Well, and especially going to go on. I mean, it's very tragic what happens, and it's very brutal that they burn her to the point where she just becomes ash. But From evil it's dead. it's just a yeah. She becomes ash. The chainsaw. Oh, there's a chainsaw Groovy. fight in this movie, which is fantastic. Yeah, was, but, this movie was actually highly inspired by Evil Dead. Too, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You can see it. Like just shot certain shots in the movie. You can tell we're absolutely like, hey, what if we made Evil Dead with a slightly bigger budget and just got gross and red. Mm-hmm. Um and. Just, you know, compensating but sizes over here. There is something like, like sadly mundane about how she dies where it's not like if it was even like, oh, well, this cult's trying to summon the devil and she's a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. No, nah, she just laughed at the dude's dick and that's why she dies. And that's why it's even worse when Nicolas Cage walks back in the house after what I'm hoping at this point is the worst day of his character's life and just breaks not down even, crying, baptizes himself in vodka changes his shirt and just it changes to his favorite shirt and yeah. then goes and gets reaper i think the worst part is that like we don't even hear her when she's dying we just see her kind of squirm a little bit and then that's it which was also kind of striking in a movie that doesn't shy away from showing anything like it's gratuitous in every possible way the one place they show restraint is showing her death mm-hmm. they don't show it they don't zoom in on it and even when you see like because at first because she's in a bag and you're like oh there's a switcheroo he's gonna get there and she'll be alive they make a point of showing you like, no, it, it like they give you kind of a beautiful scene where it's the ash version of her skull that blows away in the or her face, not even yeah. her skull, her face that blows away in the wind. And it's like weirdly beautiful in this movie. Gears of War 3 is what I thought. <laughs> I thought like yeah. Terminator. Yeah, we were just in like, Tom, no. But uh, I think the first time I watched that, it kind of made me tear up just because like everything. The, the one thing that meant the world to you was just gone. Like, it just blows away in the wind. Well, and again, because of the implied trauma that that character had been through, like, what it feels like when the movie starts is, like I said, like, we're seeing the guy who was in Walking Tall. We're seeing, or like you said, we're seeing the guy who was in the military. This was his happy ending. Like, Mm -hmm. we're seeing a guy who is not a young dude. He is obviously full of trauma. She's full of trauma. They're in a very realistic looking relationship. They're in a secluded place. That apparently is very close to Crystal Lake, which was like the one thing they did where I was like, all right, calm down. It's not even like the right one because I no. think it was the California Crystal Lake. Yeah, it was that, just weird where yeah. I'm like, you know, if you say this and the movie takes place in 83, what I'm going to think. You didn't do that on accident. <laughs> they should have been like, it's uh, near Crystal Lake. You just turn on Elm Street. And then Robocop showed up. I mean, um, but they. It's really it's really interesting to take like the character that's been through so much crap and show you like, nah, he doesn't get a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how the movie ends is like, he's just maniacal covered in blood in his car driving off. That smile though. Yeah. <laughs> that well, the that's best. the thing. It's the, it, he, I think he embraces, he like, Oh no, I, this is me. This is what I do now. Like I don't get to have a happy ending. Mm-hmm. I had my happy ending. It's over. I'm just the psychopath. You watched him turn into the thing that he was striking against. Like, I don't think he's evil, but he can't he, go back. No, like, what's he going to do? Like, go home, shower, pour the vodka back out, and, like, make a box of Cheddar Goblin? <laughs> I think it's like the Punisher at that point. 
It's almost the same background. It, it, well, yeah, and yeah. I mean, kind of. And that's that's why the Punisher is such an interesting character because you're just looking, going like, "Oh, you're just so broken." Mm-hmm. Well, for me at least. <laughs> Who hurt you? Now, did you was, see the, the mob. after the credits? The sketches. The sketches. Yeah, I did not. Oh, really? Yeah, hmm. it's just it's not like a it's not like a Marvel singer like Sam Jackson's come mm-hmm. out and be like, "I'm making a team of psychopaths." Um, yeah, it's just like a, a sketchbook that's really nice. Um, they have uh, Nicolas Cage with the tiger. Which I was so it was, I I didn't understand the tiger, and then I see her pictures, and there's a tiger there. I don't know what it the meant. The tiger is supposed to be like Nick Cage because he had the tiger shirt yeah. in the beginning, and you know it's it's Dude, him like cutting loose now. Like that the tiger shirt was awesome. out of the cage. Yeah, well, and even uh, the tiger. Yeah, and they really they really hit that too when like he goes to the chemist, and the yeah. chemist like lets the tiger out, and he's like, "You're free," or whatever he says. And I'm like, "Oh, you're talking to Cage. I get it. I get what you um, do." I guess originally in the script, Lizzie was supposed to just be a lizard. Yes, and then the guy, uh, the, the guy that plays the chemist, just shows up on set. He's like, "Oh, by the way, Lizzie's a tiger now." Bye. Um, hey, we were able. Do you know you can get a tiger real cheap here? It was just here, and I mean, I don't want to move it. Um, they said we could film here, but we couldn't move the tiger. <laughs> He's great. So, did you know that? Um, like, because I was reading about this too. Originally, they approached Nicholas Cage to play Jeremiah. Yeah, yeah, and. Like I'm, I'm glad. I think the character he played is right because that's the kind of that's why you need to do. Plus, I don't want to see Nick Cage's dick. Well, all right, man. Look, we've earned it. But also, I, I, because Nicolas Cage is that kind of amazing actor where like he is the perfect charming psychopath, and I, I do want to see him now in that role. I want to see like Doomsday Cult, Nicolas Cage. Like, okay, so all this podcast has been about is what I really want is a film adaptation of Far Cry Five. Where uh, Nicolas Cage plays Joseph Seed. Mm-hmm. I, I need that m- more than anything else. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. I guess um, what they want to do more like like a young versus old thing. And that's why they wanted to cast Nicolas Cage at first. Yeah. And Nick was like, no. And I guess. Uh, uh, it took like a year, right? They paused it. Like, yeah. all right. Like, we can't make this happen. And Let's actually, Elijah, this. Elijah Wood had to like push the two of them together like a lot. Like, he really tried to get this thing to go in. Um, with Nick as the, uh, the the main character instead of the bad guy. And I guess Pano's just like, he said he just woke up and had a dream. And he was like, I'm an idiot. And then that, they just started. And he did it. Yeah. He just woke up and he's like, wait, you said chainsaw fights? Oh, shit. So I, I don't, do this, I get the little chainsaw? I'm in. <laughs> so this this money, uh, this money, this uh, movie had how much for a budget? It's like six million. Oh, and, and they made, got a tiger. In Game yeah. of Thrones, you can't pick ghost. That's what I don't understand. It wasn't a CG tiger. That's why. I don't just care. Put ghosts, just put ghosts on stilts. That's that's you the best make, part of you, Game of Thrones. Ghost ain't a CG ghost or ghost, not a CG wolf. They just make a big a wolf big with computer sticks out. generation generating images. <laughs> just don't go like the Walking de- Dead and have that deer that was made out of Microsoft Paint just <laughs> be in there. That is one of the worst things I've seen in modern TV. And I fell off of that show hard. Like I I loved it, but now I despise it. I I was off, and then this this newer season I was. Back on, I heard it got really weirdly good. It did, it did take a it took a, a leap forward in time, and it's like, oh, hmm. oh, okay, I like where it's going, and uh, they have some interesting moments in there. Definitely a lot better than recent. And I was, I'm a huge fan of Walking Dead. I think I was, I was with you, Mike, at a training when you're like, you should read these comics. And yeah. I was like, okay, okay, and I bought like that was the for that first, video like, game one. Yeah, yeah, we bought, I bought like the first two volumes, and then I was hooked. That's that's how and yeah that that's I got off the show just because I can't handle that much sadness. It's just always always a bummer, man. 
That's what it should be called, like just Walking Dead. Always a bummer. Walking, walking Sads. <laughs> you know, like, so I, say, I so, you know, we were going to talk about the movie, so obviously I've been thinking about it. And I'm thinking about like my favorite movies, the ones that just like really, that I could just rewatch over and over. This is not one just because like, of, like just talking about Walking Dead, like I do like to have some hope in the things I watch. I like to feel good when I'm done. You don't really feel, you feel kind of dirty after this one. Hmm. But it reminds me in a weird way of Mad Max Fury Road in that it tells you a little bit about the past, but not mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. The difference is Mad Max is able to say like, hey, you remember those movies, right? They were cool. Right. This doesn't get that option. But again, it's very Conan-esque, so you can think about it. And it's it's not a road trip, but it just moves in a singular direction. Everything that happens is about going from the from where you are to the next scene. It's propulsive in a way that most movies aren't. And despite the fact that it's it's... I think it's just, it's almost exactly two hours long. It doesn't feel, it feels long. It doesn't feel two hours long. Mm-hmm. Like it feels long because it's brutal and it doesn't stop and it's unrelenting. Like the only breather you get once it gets going is where he goes and sits down with the dude from Predator to be like, hey, I need my crossbow. Yeah. But um, what I found really neat about it is that it just consistently moves. It's all about just like, what's the next scene? What's the next scene? What's the next scene? And it goes to it. And it commits to that like most movies don't. Mm-hmm. Most movies are sit there and be like, well, this is where somebody's going to take a bathroom break or, hey, you know, it's been too intense. We got to calm it down or, hey, we got to we got to humanize the character a little bit. Let's have him find a puppy <laughs> and, and kill it. Yeah, th- um, that's this one. It's like, hey, let's humanize the character a little bit. We'll have him do a mountain of cocaine, then do an 80s neck snap I would, on a dude. I did not expect the mountain of cocaine from and him. Then, oh, the look afterwards was great. Just the way he like sits up and I'm like, oh, bad lieutenant Porter Call. I get yeah. you. It's the same dude. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Some uh, face off. Yeah, it's. There was a face smash though. God. That was great. I, I love that part. See, that's. Like, I don't take any type of drugs. Like I drink beer and that's pretty much it. But like I was like tripping out. On that scene, like they they switch between Mandy and uh, uh, Jonathan's face, and it's almost like perfect for a bit where you yeah. don't really notice that's happening well, until it's completely happened, and one then of the it w- goes back. And one of the ways they disguise it is because they do a real; they are very committed to anybody who's not in their right mind at the moment has mm-hmm. wildly dilated pupils, yeah, like crazy dilation, yeah. and uh, it's like ninety percent pupil. Yeah, it's 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 intense. And I mean, I think that's even cool because that's one of the ways where the first time you see Nicolas Cage is cracked is he he loses the humanity in his eyes. Like mm-hmm. he he does the cocaine, does the or he does the LSD, fights, does the cocaine, and then the next time you get a close up of his eyes, like all the color is gone. It yeah. is just a black dot. Um and just like the way like when he's in, interacting, whenever people are on drugs, the colors in the background are crazy. When he's interacting with any scene and he's not like in his psycho mode, it looks very, it looks very good, but it looks very mundane. And the second he snaps from that point on, there is not a single scene in the movie that looks remotely normal. Like yeah. every scene is more stylistic. Every scene is more crazy. And it's really weird because if you really go look at it, none of the settings are really neat. Like it's foggy places where you can tell they were at like a lumber mill and they just mm-hmm. were like throw up some fog and some lights that way you don't have to worry about showing the building back there or in a place that's clearly a quarry that's been hollowed out. But they're like, you know, it's going to look cool when we drive down it. And even the final scene takes place in the that really rickety looking church. Uh-huh. 
There's nothing around it that makes you go like, oh, look at the grandeur of the scope or, or the scope and no, the, all just, this. You're just like, no, it's just a shitty church. And just the way they zoomed in on the, on the church that like gave you a, a feeling of it. Yeah. Um, the director actually said he uh, he he got a tip years ago. Couldn't remember who gave him the tip, but he was told that it's more important to figure out how not to show something than what than, than important to show something. Meaning that really focus on where you're filming and try to avoid showing stuff that you don't want shown. So that's, I mean, it's, it's we, all slight we of had a small budget and yeah, the, the, what they were filming on its own wasn't interesting. It's the way that they filmed it. They made it. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's, it's how David Blaine is able to be a magician that people love. Like he doesn't do anything that like, if you ever listen to like a real magician talk, which, Hey guys, I'm super into magic. So I've listened to Magic a lot of things. Mike, huh? Listen to a lot of things from <laughs> real magicians. Show. <laughs> and a lot of real magicians hate David Blaine because the stuff he does is like entry level stuff. It's mm-hmm. really basic where they're like, dude, you learned that day one. But he's proof that you don't need to have a flashy stage present. You don't need to do things. You just have to sit there and be like, look over here. Okay, cool. I'm floating. And people will buy it. <laughs> I held my breath too long. Now I have brain damage. Yeah. <laughs> and not to not to keep like just shitting on Game of Thrones, but I think that was the problem with like this this movie is a perfect example of how to do scope correctly with a limited budget and the Battle of Winterfell episode of Game of Thrones is a perfect example of how to do it wrong hmm. because in both of them they use a lot of fog and lights to limit what you can see but in one of them they limit what you can see but make sure you're looking at the only important thing in frame at hmm. all times like you always know if you see something in Mandy it is the most important thing you need to be looking at Versus in Game of Thrones, you had no goddamn clue what to look at. It was just all over the place. Dragon. And even then, you're like, which dragon am I looking at? Is this a good dragon or a bad dragon? Are these dragons doing something? But like in this, you knew. You're like, I see a silhouette. It's got a beard. And it's holding an axe. That's Nicolas Cage. And there's another silhouette. You're going to kill it. The uh, the demons, like they didn't, we don't know what they even look like. But I thought that was kind of the best part. I think one maybe had a baby doll face and the other one had nails in his arm or in his in his yeah, gauntlet is, yeah and like that made them more scary to me because you know like we were saying they're they're no longer human and that's kind of like a good way to kind of represent that with um cinematography yeah you, the second you show again it's the eyes the second you show the eyes that you humanize something and the one like you they made such a point of showing every character in the movie's eyes like that was mm-hmm. a big deal like mandy had the scar around her eye and she had um, two different eyes Yes, you had the two different eyes. Um, every every character when they were on LSD or drugs, their pupils were dilated. So they made a point of always showing the eyes. The only people you never see the eyes on are the biker gang. Again, because for our story, they are not human. They are demons. They are there just to murder or be murdered, and they're there to like be a force of nature. So you don't. That's also why you don't get to hear them just go like, "Hey, we're gonna watch porn and get takeout," which they clearly do because one of the dudes is watching porn. And eating takeout. Like, there's takeout boxes all over. All right, let me put on my knife dick. Or, but, and yeah. that's, the, that's the crazy thing. Just is in that door scene, dash real fast. <laughs> in that scene, oh, God, that'd be the scariest place to deliver to. <laughs> hey, did you guys order Chinese? Oh, I'm, okay, I'll just leave it out here, man. Blood for blood. I'm like, no, I just, <laughs> no, just, I just give brought, me a tip. Just yeah. brought you chow mein, but okay. <laughs> here comes the tip. <laughs> but, oh, it's out of the sword. Or is it? <laughs> but like, even that scene is so cool because, like, it starts off and it doesn't look like it's out. in a crazy place. You feel like it's like Nicolas Cage is attached to a radiator or a pipe or something. It's a pipe. Mm-hmm. And then you see like there's just a random giant pit below him. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay, where the hell is this guy? Is he in like a crazy castle? No, he just goes to the next room and it's just a house it's out back. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like 
there's just a, a house there where they again clearly live regular lives at some point they're filthy but there's regular people things in that house but you never hear them say anything like normally you just hear the, the blood for blood or mm-hmm. I, I can't remember one of them says something when they're fighting she still burns. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But he, the way he says it too, it's like a like she still burns. And that's what uh, uh, Red's voice turns into too. Yeah. At yep. towards the end. Yeah. Yep. Uh, because he he talks for he goes from not talking, talks for a little bit mm-hmm. to just become essentially grunts at the end. Of I it. am your god now. That was the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll suck you off. I'm your god now. <laughs> I I really also appreciated the like. Not they're not period accurate special effects because they're way better mm-hmm. but the it, it does like my favorite thing that like video games like retro style games do where like you'll play a retro game and they're like remember what games used to look like and you'll play like shovel knight mm-hmm. and you think it's awesome but then if you really look you're like oh no shovel knight looks way better than yeah. like a uh, game of that era did like uh the messenger you play like, that one yeah yeah and that's what this does is it's like yeah this looks just like an 80s movie no, it looks like a movie informed by those, but like you still get like he, he, there was a physical head that he pops, mm-hmm. and it looks cheesy. Doesn't look like it's made of styrofoam though. It looks no, good. Inspired yeah. by the eighties, it is. Much it's, it's really great. <laughs> like inspired. Not the, uh, the the melting phase was one of my favorite parts too. Like the yeah. Indiana Jones. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> we made a head out of wax and we melted it and sped it up, and then you just watch it. And you're like, yeah, you know what? That effect is still cool. I did like the animation too. Just yeah. randomly like. Yeah, it looks like it was plucked out of heavy metal. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I believe that was the reference too, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So how do you... That's what this was. This was a heavy metal short as a live action film. Basically was. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, we got Crimson King at the beginning? Yeah, he just broke me, Alex. Holy shit. (laughs) All right, guys, let's watch heavy metal. (laughs) (laughs) Mike's pupils dilated. (laughs) I did. That's why she even I'm not. I'm. I'm embarrassed to admit to the first time I saw their pupils dilate. I was like, "Oh, it's like a cat when they're excited." And I was like, "Oh wait, no. Also, it's like drugs. Drugs do that too." I'm in a much nicer place so in my hard. life than I was when I was younger. <laughs> so how do we rate this? Because three hours later, we gave it three hours, and then we have to rate it at the end. So, do we rate it as? Because this is gonna. It's gonna give me two different reviews of how. I rate it. So I don't know if you want me to go first or. Yeah, go, man. Okay. So. Just cut you out of it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so. All right. Back to Matt. (laughs) Um, So if I was going to rate it as a straight up thriller action movie. uh, First half, I wouldn't I wouldn't have gone past the 10 minutes, like I said, and it would have given a bad review. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have cared for it at all. Uh, (laughs) As as Nicolas Cage is looking at me. That that is such a good. That that's still shot. It's very scary, but it's it Nick really Cage speaks. covered in blood, eyes wide, smiling. But also looking at you, not looking at the road, like hey, at you, yeah. But if Nelson I was in Arizona, <laughs> if I would go into this movie with an open mind and saying like this is this, you have to think more than just the straightforwardness it gives you. You have it's not like Fast and Furious, you mm-hmm. know, like oh we're gonna race cars. Have, I live my life a quarter mile all the time. No, <laughs> you you have to go into it of, of finding what is the meaning behind several different things. I mean, anything from the drugs to the shirt he's wearing to what they're saying mm-hmm. all had a meaning towards it. And some some of it is ambiguous to the audience itself. How you interpret it is, is going to be different how, than how someone else is going to. So if you go into it with that mentality, it, it's a good movie. So it just depends on how you look at it and how 
if you if you're gonna go and watch a movie, is this something you just want to sit back and and just watch action? It's not for you. But if you want something to sit back and and dive deeper and to find out what the director was trying to do, the actors, the meanings, all of that, then I recommend it. Yeah, I um, I agree. Like I, so I come at it because I'm a, I'm just a giant film nerd and also a giant art nerd and. Man, it scratches those two, which is so well for me. Like, I'm I know already that I'm going to now spend the next week like tearing the movie apart. I'll probably go back in and rewatch scenes, and I'll read other people's opinions and start building my own. And we're going to talk about it for another six and a half hours. Um, welcome to six hours later. Yeah, <laughs> well, just and, Mike. And it's weird because like I don't necessarily want to watch the movie again, though. I want to watch scenes from it again for mm-hmm. sure. I want to digest the movie i want to know about the movie i'm absolutely like if, if for our test like hey would you continue watching it i want to watch panos uh was it cosmos cosmos cosmopolitan cosmo wanda yes um, you got the green and the pink over there too but i i i want to watch the his mics. other movie oh yeah hey <laughs> um i want to watch his other movie for sure um I'm absolutely going to watch whatever the next thing he puts out is like that dude's now earned a, a absolute buy on the next movie he puts out for me just because I got to see what this guy does again. I saw his dad directed Rambo 2. Yes. His, I was going to bring that up. His dad directed crazy eight. His dad directed Cobra. Cobra. Yeah. Like my favorite terrible, uh, 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 I said Schwarzenegger, a uh, Stallone movie. Dude's last name is Cabretti. That's not even that. Come on. <laughs> what are we doing? Eighties. But, um, yeah, like I, like I told Alex before you got here, um, I don't know that I would have watched it again had it not been for this. I didn't enjoy it as much the second time because the first time I was there for the ride and the second time it was more like, all right, let's, come on, I know where this goes, let's go. Versus the first time I just, I needed to see what happened next. So I'd recommend like if you've never watched it and you're willing to watch just the most crazy films... I, I definitely would recommend it. Mm-hmm. And there's still stuff we didn't talk about. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah. the crazy part for for a movie that there's has like almost animal. no plot. Like yeah. it, there's just so much imagery in it. When did she even walk, walk down the road? I still don't, I blinked and she was like, where that should read in a book. Like guys, I'm going to go, I'm going to start reading about the Gnostic gospels because of Abraxas. <laughs> like, why do you call that the horn of Abraxas? Or I got to uh, know the, the spear of the pale night. <laughs> Yeah, like um, name Reaper and yeah, things like that. Yeah, I got to know all of it. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to recommend something that I don't like on the yeah. show. So obviously, I liked it. Um, the first time I watched it, like I said, I saw it in theaters. I was totally just immersed with the way I, I the way it was presented to me. And coming out of the theater, I think I would have given it a nine. On the second watching, the way I watched it, I think it kind of tainted it i guess or i just maybe didn't see it in these rose rose glasses um like i did the first time so i would probably give it like a seven out of ten on the second viewing but i think that this isn't like just a movie it's kind of an experience and i think that's why it was such a big deal for me because i never really got to feel anything from a movie like i did then and i mean this isn't going to win any awards for the screenplay at all but the way that some of the scenes are shot and i mean we didn't even talk about the music the music oh, the, was like incredible. It's, it's heartbreaking because the composer of the film died right before it came out. Yeah, Johan Johansson. Oh man, that, he just nailed every like this is one of those perfect examples of art in film where you can see what's been shot, 
the acting and the sound, not just the 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 uh, score, but the soundscape they build. Mm-hmm. Like none of them would really be that good without the others. Like if this movie didn't look as beautiful as it looks, it would just be Nicolas Cage being weird. And if the music wasn't as great as it is, the pacing would be kind of terrible. Mm-hmm. But when you put it all together, it just makes this really awesome thing. And that's what I think too. I think like the package overall is is really good. Um, a lot of the complaints I would see online and stuff like it's just a revenge movie. Like it's just a staple revenge movie. There's nothing great going on. Yeah, it is 100%. totally true. Yeah, it, it just taking just the screen, the 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 the, uh, the script, I guess, or the screenplay part of it. If that's the only part that you're looking at, then for sure. But the entire package is incredible, I think, because of the like you were saying, the music and because of the way things were shot. The shot, the the part where they're in the lake on the boat at the beginning was jaw dropping when I saw yeah. it in theaters because it's just like the way the waves were. The color of it, and um, the title cards really got me too. Like when they showed the the Shadow Mountains title card, I was like, "What is happening? This is yeah. beautiful." Yeah, it, and when they bring in the, I keep wanting to say Children of the Corn. It's not what they're called. Children of the New Dawn. Children of the New Dawn. Like they give them a logo. Yeah, that's yeah. incredible. When you finally get the Mandy title card, I can't read it because I don't speak heavy you, metal. You can for metal. you can for like two seconds, yeah. and then it just like goes nuts. Um. So overall, I do recommend it. I think it was, I, I mean, I put in like over four hours because I've seen it twice and I've watched a bunch of behind the scenes stuff on it. And so, it's okay if you don't like it also, if this isn't your type of movie that you would usually watch to begin with. But if you're into like just movies that are more than just the spoken story, I think you really like this. And if you, if like, the, like 2001, yeah. boring movie beautiful yeah and i mean and also if you miss psychedelic drugs right but and you can't do them because like your wife's a little bit of a hard <laughs> you ass but like you still watch it um i think i think the the so i jumped on rotten tomatoes real quick and i think this is like the epitome of what we're even talking about so critics gave it 91 it's certified fresh like that that's ridiculous that it's that high i mean right. it's not ridiculous to me like i get it but like man that's crazy audiences 66 percent and, and i and i you know I i'm like it. yes yep yeah, because I can see a third of people going like I hate it, mm-hmm. and a third of people going I love it, and a third of people tolerating it. Part, part of it, part of it too, is just the way it was presented and like uh, coming out, like the mm-hmm. trailers and stuff. Like I think you probably expected like a, a more of an action. Yeah, type I, of thing. it kind of threw me for a loop because mm-hmm. I did watch the trailer before this. Well, okay, let me get the the basic of it, um, and it didn't go to the pace where I thought it was gonna go. You know, I, I think of like thriller slash kind of movie. Right. And this is like a slow burn. It wasn't. It was a completely two movies. First movie, first mm. part of it slow. Second part is what I thought it was going to be the whole time. Yep. But I will add to being it, that it was my first time and being that it was on my laptop completely took me out a lot of the time, you know, to what you, your your view of the theater, the music, the sound. I didn't get that off my laptop. Mm-hmm. And I think that was kind of its own how how it released on video on demand heard it. Because yeah. that's a lot of people are experiencing and it. And I'm sure the critics probably saw it in theaters. Yeah, and that's that's actually mm-hmm. something I was thinking of when I was watching it today because like I have the I have the luxury of watching it on a really good high end television in a room with weirdly controlled lighting. Where is it? What? The good TV? Oh, I'll show that's not I, don't, I put it away when you guys are here. Ooh. Um in a room with really highly controlled lighting with a decent sound system. And so like when I go to sit sit down and watch the movie, like I can watch the movie like I can experience this thing. Um I but think yeah. that kind of bummed me out too because I was trying to recreate as best as I can. I just had, I have like my bigger TV, but my monitor probably has better resolution. So I was using that, put on my headphones, but it still just wasn't the same. And I was 
kind of sad while I was watching. It's like it's like going to the like the fair as an yeah. adult versus when you're a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I get that. It's a lot of time and place. Um, but yeah, so that was a uh, that was Mandy, the really crazy, crazy movie. Watch it or don't. Yeah, I recommend watching it. I think I think even Alex, who was the most lukewarm one, I think would still recommend watching it. You better say you do. In the mindset that you said. Yes, in the mindset. Yeah, yeah you have to be yep. in that mindset watching this it's movie. It's more of experience it, not exactly. necessarily watch it. Like, exactly. hey, yeah. it's a thing. You're on a ride. Just let it happen. Yeah, go on the ride. So uh, so going in next week is my pick for uh, what we're going to oh, watch. Yes, and uh, we don't know it. So Yeah, I was pretty excited about it. I originally was going to get real weird with it. So we're um, saying this is the last episode of our podcast, Yeah, right? so we only went two minutes. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I was originally going really weird with it. And uh, I realized that like doing like the advantage to Matt and I being on this is we both have like really in-depth knowledge of a lot of dumb stuff. Alex has a lot of really great There's a knowledge. There's diagram and Alex is probably on the outside. Yeah, <laughs> well, because like you are there with like a lot of the pop culture stuff. But like Matt and I will dig into the weird shit and you don't do that, which is why I like you being on here because you're like the you're the normal human being in this show. That's the weird part too, is that I'm the, you normal, get to be the one. normal one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm also the the only dad on here, so yeah. we're eventually gonna. That watch... we know of. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, we're... I have franchises set up, but I don't check in very often. We're gonna eventually <laughs> watch Paw Patrol, I think. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm again, I'm down for, man. But uh, what I didn't want to do was go too, because I was gonna go weird. Like I have, I have a list written. And I had some weird stuff on there. Um, but instead of doing two weird ones in a row, just because like I don't even think I can handle that. Um, I want to go with something that I find to be one of my like just all-time favorite movies um is one of my favorite by one by straight up my favorite filmmaker i will watch anything he does um how familiar are you guys with wes anderson films you guys watch him a lot not know? a whole lot but i'm familiar so uh my pick is the grand budapest hotel okay it is okay. my favorite of his movies um just just edges out uh royal tenenbaums the royal tenenbaums is the one i've watched the most but grand budapest hotel is i think his uh his pinnacle it's like the most Wes Anderson mm-hmm. that Wes Anderson's ever been. Uh, it's just a really cool, interesting art house film that stars one of the greatest casts I've ever seen assembled. Like somehow this dude knows everybody and is able to get everyone to just be like, yeah, I'll show up. But he does that and also gets like, he gets so many first time actors and like people you've never seen anything. Hey, want to come uh, stand in a monocolor room and yeah. stand off to the side? Hey, do you like, I mean, uh, I mean, to tell you how much I love Wes Anderson, like the wall that Alex is sitting in front of is my version of a Wes Anderson what wall. What would Wes do? Yeah, I, I'm not kidding. I sat down and was like, well, I hate this wood panel wall, so I'm going to make a weird Wes Anderson wall. So it's just nothing but... <laughs> do you sometimes just sit here pretending that you're in the movie and just like... It, it took a lot for me to not have my entire room be symmetrical. <laughs> like his camera work is so specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so next week when we sit down, we're going to discuss uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel. And uh, I hope people like it because, again, it is one of my all-time favorite movies and it'll make me sad if you don't. All right. I'm excited to watch and discuss. Have you seen it before, Alex? No. Okay. I have. It's been a long time, though. Has it? I'm going to kind of go into the mindset of trying to hate the movie then. No. I've I've watched it once a month since it came out. (laughs) No. Just go into thinking about Conan. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, Imagine Ray Fiennes as Conan. The good thing about having me on this podcast too is I don't get time to watch a lot of this. And I'm kind of forced to watch it. Well, that's the thing. In it's a like, sense, you, not forced. I'm you, not, I mean, like, you have an excuse not watch to. it, but yes. You just through the nature of your life, you do a lot of the more mainstream stuff. And it's not that Matt and I don't, but like we have the advantage of we will get like, not only will I start something dumb and weird, even if it's bad, I'll probably finish it. I'll, I'll get obsessed with stuff bad. until it just runs to the ground yeah. and like I hate it. That's kind of what, what I get into. But I like it because... 
I've already shown my friends the things that I like. So now I'm like, yeah. Alex, you should watch this thing. You should look at this. So, look at this. So Alex, now you're Alex, doing Alex, a Alex. podcast with your Alex, I love like this it. so much. Yeah. And like to be, I mean, I'm such a like sports is my thing. And you guys are not into sports as See much. See that ludicrous display last night? I sports swear ball. to God, the first time, the first time you're like, so are three hours going to be watching the Dodger game is when I quit the, bo- the podcast. I'm a huge Dodger fan. I know you are. And and I'm, happy I'm going to a game this Saturday, which we're recording on a Thursday. Uh, that's right. That's why we're doing this. <laughs> I'm excited for you going. I'm happy that you like it. Yes. Just, man. So that is my... Baseball. That is my... Is this like, for take. the Victory Cup? Is this for all the points? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it's good that we're into different, different things. And I think... It, Time is the only thing that would separate me from watching these things right. all the time. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a lot of the things is going to be my first impression. And you guys m- more in detail than I am on how some of these sh- shows or movies or. I'll be ready for next week when I'm sitting there breaking down. Like, so what this shot means is um, it's actually Wes Anderson's take on a very basic. No, like it's... I'm like, this is bullshit. And then you're like, <laughs> so the wispy... let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> the wispy mustache on the bellboy means. So you understand. So there <laughs> Just to tell you how up its butt this movie gets, there's three aspect ratios this movie takes place in. Okay. It starts in 69, goes to... Spoilers. Not 69, <laughs> I can't remember, and then goes to 4-3. Like, and it's very specific as to why they're there. But uh, it's just such a great, weird movie. All right, well. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Guess that's right. it for uh, this episode on Mandy. Alex, where can you find us on the socials? All the socials. Let's see here. Uh, Facebook. So my and- social security number is. Yeah, four, no, oh no, not that. One, two, three, four. Yes, finally. I don't know if you summoned it by speaking Wes Anderson, The Thunder. Was that you? That was huge. Yeah, I thought. Did you guys that, feel it? I heard it. I thought that was like something in the room. Oh yeah. It was like a fifty percent chance today. I think. Damn. I've been waiting all day. Wait, hold on. I can I can make the room match it. I can feel it. Calling in the air tonight. Here's the thing with our um, social media. Why do, why are people doing three hours later? And they, they took all of our names, so like all of our stuff is different. Probably some stupid YouTube challenge. Uh. Ah. We're in Mandy now. Not yet. It's mm-hmm. about to happen. How much did these lights cost? Look, man. That's I spent a weird of money on lights, okay? Like, again, I was... Like, I'm I, jealous, but... At some point, we're going to pivot to video and understand I got all the lighting rigs ready to go. <laughs> I got an LED strip on my monitor. That's it. I need a, I need a firework for the wall here. Hold on. There Can we go. Nope. Not, we don't get loud enough. Oh, there oh. we go. Yeah. Now we're in there. My epilepsy. Right. I almost got, like, I thought I had a seizure during the movie when they're flashing the uh, the dagger and the horn, that green light. Oh, Yeah. So, <laughs> or when the uh, the bikers stole Mandy with these lights. If you when you're making your own recipe, if you go up and adjust it to where you're like, oh, I want it to flash really fast, it straight up goes like, "Hey, man, you could kill somebody. You might want to not do this." Have the people in the room sign a waiver. Yeah, it it literally makes you click a button saying like, "I get how epilepsy works." <laughs> Got Cue me up again. Right. Yes. All right, Alex, where can you find us on the socials? So on Facebook and Instagram, we are three. The number three H R S later. All uh no underscore on that one, but on our Twitter it's three HRS underscore later. And uh we do have a website that is being primed uh for all of our episodes. It's gonna be www.threehourslater.com. 
And we had to have different names because people are dicks and keep taking things for no reason. Yeah, damn I bet it. you they're just squatting on that too. We're probably gonna have to pay them. Well, we have the URL, so, so. I can pay ah. them in lights. It's true. You have a lot of light money. Twi- is this Twitter? that Litecoin I've been hearing about? Yeah, this is uh, this is all the Litecoin. Someone on Twitter hasn't had like they have the 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 handle for it. They haven't used it since 2012. I think I had that happen to me one time with a different podcast where like, come on, you haven't tweeted for like four years. Yeah, kick them off Twitter. Damn it, who owns Twitter? I don't know. Like, I know Tom who owns MySpace and Mark Zuckerberg. I don't know who owns right, Twitter. A bunch of birds, I don't know. Yeah. Just, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with a mini episode followed up with Wes Anderson movie. I forgot. Grand, Grand Budapest Hotel. Hotel. Keep thinking of Darjeeling Limited. All right. Well, it's a hidden gem of a Wes Anderson movie right there. I like that one a lot. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.